You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Chip Cooper, an attorney at law who practices in various fields, namely FTC and FDA compliance. Um, and Chip is also uh, the founder and CEO of FTC Guardian, um, which is a service actually that helps different uh, supplement companies and supplements merchants be compliant and kind of understand and how to navigate the FTC. Um, so Chip, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, what you, what has been keeping you busy, um, your specific legal practice and also about FTC guardian? Yes. Let me, first of all, Maria, thank you for the kind introduction. Let me mention very clearly that I'm a co-founder. There are two of us. Oh, co-founder. Yes. Guy, of course, my partner, to speak, so to speak, is Alan Cutts, who is sort of on the marketing side, and I'm on the legal side of FTC Guardian. We provide a document generator for documents that are compliance related and also a lot of training. And what we're going to be talking about today regarding supplements reflects the kind of training we offer. So that's what we do there. And in my law practice, basically, I am an e-commerce attorney, and I view that broadly, including packaged goods, such as supplements, also digital downloads, that sort of thing, uh, as well as marketing, advertising, compliance. That's what I do. And that's what we also cover, generally speaking, in FTC Guardian. So that's a quick intro of what I do and what FTC Guardian does. Awesome. Well, I mean, the the great thing for everybody listening, uh, and the reason that I actually reached out to Chip is because I'm actually on the list for FTC Guardian, and I get all your you know alerts, and you guys keep me really informed on what's going on in the landscape of you know compliance and supplements and so forth. So, uh, you know, I'm very happy to have you on, and anybody who's listening who's kind of just maybe doesn't have a huge budget but needs to understand compliance, needs to understand how to navigate all the stuff that's going on, the changes and to be advised uh, on, you know, what to do if something happens, you know, obviously, Chip, you're a great resource, uh, but, you know, you might be expensive for somebody who's just starting out. So FTC Guardian is a great place to sign up, you know, sign up to their email list, uh, maybe do some little trainings or get some information. So that's, um, you know, that's that that's what the good thing is, is that obviously, you know, for for larger merchants, you know, the legal route is, is necessary sometimes, but for smaller merchants that are starting out, if you're really kind of struggling to understand what you can say or can't say, FTC Guardian is a good place uh, to go. So talking about FTC and all these, you know, different acronyms that we have, you know, the FDA and the FTC are two legal bodies that we hear about very often if you're selling supplements or you're selling a lot of stuff online. Can you just tell us, you know, what each uh, agency is responsible for and why you should be afraid of each? Because that's what I think a lot of people think about, like, should I be afraid of FTC or FDA or, or what's going on? Well, the FDA and the FTC actually overlap in one area. Now, the FDA deals all with, with drugs and food uh, beyond the scope of this discussion. We're really focusing on the marketing and advertising piece that actually overlaps with what the FTC does, marketing and advertising, right, with consumers. That's basically what happens. The difference is that the FDA involves 
their their concern about advertising is typically on the packaging or labeling of a physical product. In this particular case, a supplement. You know, the label on a bottle or the packaging, the, the, the little box that the supplement may come in, that sort of thing. And anything that's included in the box, some sort of literature or whatever that might be. So that's that's where the FDC gets involved in marketing and advertising. I said FDA, I think. Or maybe <laughs> FDA. We're talking about FDA now, Food FDA and Drug Administration. Gets involved so. in marketing and advertising of supplements with packaging, labels, and, and whatever's inside the box. Yeah. The FTC generally covers marketing and advertising for everything that a consumer might buy. So okay. they, they they overlap in terms of marketing and advertising in those two respects. Yeah. So obviously, because a supplement is ingestible, you know, there's the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA that has to be around to regulate what people are putting in their bodies, if it's safe and if what you're claiming it does, it actually does. And then the FTC is, you know, you can't say something like, hey, you're going to lose 20 pounds in a week if you take this, you know, and then it's unfounded and so forth. So, but, you know, like you said, they overlap when it comes to uh, marketing, right? Because they're something you consume and something that's marketed to consumers. So uh, thank you for clarifying that. And I know a lot of people always kind of confuse those or they don't know really what the role is. Uh, but, you know, obviously these, these, you know, every time you get an acronym uh, agency coming after you or asking you questions or trying to be compliant to that agency, it causes people to be fearful. So I'm just wondering if you can, you know, this is a very general question. And I know that obviously we, you know, people have to do their own research, but in general, for people who are selling supplements online, what are the three key um, things that you need to look out for? And I know we're going to cover it a bit later, but just a quick summary of what are the three key things that a supplements merchants needs to look out for to avoid problems with the FTC? Well, I think I think they're very closely related. One, of course, is that the FTC and the FDA are really checking very closely. You might say they're on the warpath with regard to supplements. The FTC in particular is very leery of the ads they see for supplements. Uh, and I'll explain a little bit about how that happens and what they're really looking for in just a minute. But you know, you're in a you're in a highly regulated area that does involve considerable risk, um, and you're probably going to know. For the the second point is, it's hard, it's difficult to really feel like you've got a strategy that makes sense, right? And we're going to hopefully help you with that in this. And then you need to come down, I think, with a very fundamental understanding that all of this comes down to ad claims and uh, substantiation for those ad claims. It really does. Now, you can go uh, on Google and Google any ad or any article, FTC, ad claims, supplements, whatever, and you can read them. And what you're going to learn is a lot of general information that might be good background, but it's not going to give you anything in terms of concrete strategies or recommendations. And that's what we hope to be able to do briefly in this present in this call, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, and, and, you know, I, I work with a lot of marketers, um, 
And a lot of them say, well, how am I going to sell any product if I can't claim anything or I can't do anything? I can't use a testimonial that says certain results, you know? So Chip is going to show us a couple of examples. So, you know, if you're in audio, uh, we're going to have some email addresses below if you want to see um, the examples that Chip is going to present. But also, you know, we're going to explain a little bit what we see on the screen. So Chip, can you share with us, you know, just a couple of examples? Because uh, I think it's just more important for us to talk about a real case and a real you know, um, situation that a lot of people are finding themselves in. And this is going to help, you know, everybody that's listening, it's going to help you understand when you're creating your copy, creating your offer and your marketing, you know, there are ways that you can be compliant and still get the point of cross. So, you know, keep in mind that, this is not, I hear the word compliance is almost synonymous with losing sales and not being profitable. Um, and, you know, hopefully this conversation, these examples are going to spark some ideas and spark some ways of, of marketing because every company, you know, anybody who sells anything to consumers, which is pretty much the, the, you know, the, the, the nexus of every company is, um, you know, it, it has to, has to abide by these things. So there's obviously ways of people selling stuff without uh, falling into the wrath of the FTC. So one thing to understand is that things are not not the same. I mean, there was sort of an old school period, and now we're very much in a new school period in terms of advertising and what the FTC will tolerate and what they will not tolerate, right? If yeah. you look, we're talking here, we're looking at a screen that shows two images of Cheerios cereal boxes. One says back in 09, that's back in the day. And then the current uh, image that you will see on the cereal box aisle today. And here's an example of old school that doesn't work today, regardless of what you're selling, including supplements. There's a banner across the old version of the cereal box back in 09 that simply says in very prominent terms, lower your cholesterol 4% in six weeks. It is unqualified. There is no qualification to that. In fact, if I were buying this cereal and I'm a cholesterol abuser, I should expect, despite what I'm eating in my other two meals of the day, high in cholesterol, that I'm going to lower my cholesterol 4% in six weeks. That sort of worked back in that era. But around 2009, both the FDA, FTC and FDA started uh, the prelude to some kind of enforcement action here. And it doesn't work today. And what you see there is, uh, is an, a lesson that can be applied to marketing anything. It's what we call a bookends ad claim, a specific result in a specific time period. Don't do it. I mean, it's almost impossible to substantiate it. Lower cholesterol, 4% benefit, time period, six weeks, avoid it cut off the period, the time period at the end. That's one lesson that really was sort of marketing 101 back in the 90s, right? And early yeah. 2000s, but is not gonna work today regardless. So the big question is, how do you nuance this a little bit so that it's not promising that everybody can achieve this result on an unqualified basis? So if you see, if you look, uh, if you're listening and you think of the today cereal box to the right of the old school one, you'll see that there are changes. The um, the time period has been deleted in the in the uh, banner. You can see that the implied claim, which is heart healthiness, 
is is amplified by the size of the bo- the cereal bowl, including uh, the Cheerios, which is an implied claim. It's an image. And then there are other statements that have been added to the cereal box that provide context. And, and I won't go into any more detail than that to say, other than to say that today, if you look at the cereal box on your cereal aisle now, General Mills has become a smarter marketer. They're not making an unqualified claim and they've added contextual statements and they've cut off this promise in a very specific period of time. So all of those are excellent suggestions, but I think we need to drill down a little bit more into what the listeners are talking about, which is the sale of supplements online. Let me just interject quickly on on this specific image. You know, we have the two cereal boxes, one from 2009, one from today. In today's cereal box, we have, you know, We call them, I guess, ad disclaimers, like a disclaimer on there, which is in very small font. So if we translate this to an online environment, not a box, I mean, can you say certain things and then in very, it looks like font size six or eight, you know, make a nice disclaimer at the bottom? Is that work or, you know, because I mean, I see the lower cholesterol in quite large, but then I can barely see what's under there explaining uh, the details. So I'm always curious, you know, as you know, people listening as marketers, you know, can I say certain things and then make a disclaimer, like all the way at the bottom of the page in font size six? Yeah, no, (laughs) That's that's the short answer. But again, back in the day, back in the wild, wild west period, It happened frequently where there would be an ad claim promising a certain result, in this case, lowering cholesterol a specific amount in a specific time. And then there would be a disclaimer at the bottom in very fine print, completely undercutting that claim, contradicting the claim. The FTC and the FDA will not tolerate that today. You cannot do that. In fact, the general belief in that period was that disclaimers cured all ills. And you wouldn't believe the number of clients I had who say, write me a disclaimer that basically says that whatever I'm, whatever I'm claiming on my website is really not true. I mean, we're going to disclaim it down here. We're going to promise it up here. It used to sort of work. It doesn't work anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, that's heating a warning right there is that you can't out explain uh, claims, right? You, you know, I, I know a lot of merchants, we, we get that a lot also on direct payment. You know, we get people who call us and they're like, oh, but look, I have this disclaimer. I'm like, yeah, three scrolls down font size six, you know, not really, it, it doesn't work. So even if you, if you make it a little bit more prominent, it's like, you can't, claim it unless it's actual fact. So uh, that's right. an interesting point. So then you 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 wanted to show us um, another example. So people who are listening now, we're going to look at an example of something that's more, you know, in our day-to-day, which is selling supplements online. Um, so I'll let Chip kind of explain a little bit more about uh, the infographic that we're looking at. Yeah. Before we switch infographics, sure. look at those who are looking at this particular image, this infographic. Look at the very top, because that's the transition to the supplement that all of you are selling today that we're going to address in much more detail than we have the cereal. And it's basically this. You want to avoid in your supplement marketing and advertising making claims that your product will treat or cure a a disease, a medical disease or a medical condition. 
And the reason, and we're not even really going to talk about that very much because the required uh, substantiation is what is known as an RCT, randomized controlled test, which rises to the level that drug companies are required to actually use or, or produce in terms of substantiation. So the vast majority of you are not going to be doing it. You don't have the resources to do it. So in terms of your overall strategy, you don't make claims regarding uh, diseases and medical conditions because you're not going to be able to substantiate them. Enough said. So if you avoid that, then what do you do? Well, it's at the top of this particular infographic. And by the way, if you um, email me or Maria some other time, we'll, we'll send you these infographics. You can get a copy of these. But it's basically... Uh, do you do you make do you make claims involving structure or function? That's an FTC term, which means general well-being. And the classic example, which I find meaningless, but it's the example that the FTC gives, is calcium builds strong bones. That's you know that that's that's really not what we want to hang our hat on here. So so if you avoid the disease or, or medical condition claim, then you're in the structure and function category. That's where you want to live. And we've got an example of one way that you can go about doing it. So if you're going to avoid medical diseases uh, and, and, and conditions, then you've got to be very careful and you've got to be smart about how you articulate your claim. Now, the very the, the very top of this image, you see a, a, this is like a, a sales page. It might be on your website. And the claim at the top, which is the headline, is help support healthy blood levels. And that's what the supplement is supposed to do, help support healthy blood levels. And if you think about that language, it's not promising uh, a certain reduction in cholesterol in a certain period of time. That's a bookends ad claim, which we just learned you shouldn't do, right? And it does avoid these terms, diabetes, hypertension, and heart disease. It could use those terms, but those are uh, medical conditions or diseases. If you use them, you've got to do the RCT form of substantiation. Chip, just let me interject. Do you need the word help? Can you just say supports healthy blood levels or is the word help have to be there? It doesn't have to be there. Okay. But I think I think the more um, the more you, you, you use the words help and or support, the better off you're going to be. Okay. Because you're trying to distance yourself from stating any of these terms relating to specific diseases or medical conditions. In this particular situation, in this supplement, diabetes, hypertension, and heart disease. Now, this approach is somewhat risky, and I want to let you know this is not legal advice. This is for informational purposes only. But here's the risk, because we we carefully avoid those terms that we're trying to avoid that increases the level of substantiation. But in doing so, we're suggesting that symptoms of diabetes, hypertension, and heart disease might be affected by helping to support healthy blood levels, right? So we're we're really being pretty subtle here, but you're going to have to be in virtually most, if not all, of the supplements you sell to avoid avoid these specific terms, but come as close as you can and, and get away with it, 
right? And yeah. the treatment of the symptoms of these diseases could raise a, a red flag with the FTC. And they may say that you're making an implied claim that it treats a medical condition or um, a, a disease. And, and that's that's where the risk lies. But this is the strategy that, that hopefully will work so that you can sell your supplement and avoid claims by the FTC. But there's definitely risk involved. So again, let's look at some subclaims here very quickly. We have a, an image of the bottle, which is the bottle of the supplement uh, pills. Help support healthy blood sugar. Help support healthy blood pressure help support healthy cholesterol levels. Sort of subclaims of that, that header that says, that says help support healthy blood levels. All right, so you see what the strategy is. You see one way to maybe approach it by being a little smarter, a little bit more creative with your language, right? You're avoiding those diseases and medical conditions. But here's where a lot of people run afoul. Let's assume for sake of discussion, that the strategy we're just talking about, you're following. So it, there's some risk here, but, but hopefully, hopefully it's going to be okay, right? We'll never without any risk. Yeah. Then you introduce a, a testimonial from a very happy customer that crosses the line that you've avoided, right? The customer might say, my husband and I have been taking this supplement for two months and our numbers for blood sugar have improved by two points or four points or whatever, right? Now you've crossed the line into a very specific claim uh, that you're gonna have to maybe get an RCT to support. So what you need to do to be consistent with your ad claim is to use what is known as an opinion testimonial. Avoid the specific result. Now, I know marketers don't like to hear that. No. I, I work with a lot of marketers. I know how they think. I know what, they, what they're what looking for in a typical testimonial. But you, you're, you're asking for serious trouble if you really follow the rules up top, but then you drop down into a testimonial that gets very specific about results involving diseases or medical conditions. So the, the opinion one here says... My husband and I started taking blood support supplement two months ago. We highly recommend it. We like it. But let me let, let me interject on that one. You know, the, the thing about this is, yes. OK, so we you know, we want to be compliant as possible and make sure. But if a customer actually says something specific and we can prove that this is a real customer, you know, whatever uh, government body can call that customer and ask them and, you know, whatever. And then maybe we could put a disclosure that this person exercised five hours a week and ate a healthy diet. Can we then put that claim because it's coming from a real customer and we're explaining the circumstances under which that customer made those claims? Well, you can, but there's risk. There's increased risk, and here it is. The FTC says, and of course the FDA, the FDA says the same thing, yeah. that that result, that specific result of this specific testimonialist has to be typical of just about everybody else. In other words, you have to be able to show that not only did this testimonialist achieve that specific result, as you indicated by your comment, yeah. but also most, if, if not all, uh, consumers can expect the same result. 
Well, that would be really difficult, right? Like how, how would somebody go, they would have to do like a clinical trial of some sort. I mean, you can't really, you can't say that everybody or 80% or whatever number it is, right? I think you're right. I think once you cross that line that you've not crossed with your ad claim, but now you're crossing it with your success story testimonial, you're now back into the RCT category for substantiation. That's so you can't win. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> summary. So it's really, it comes down to ad claims and substantiation, avoiding the disease or medical condition type language and claim, and then staying on this other side, being very careful and very creative with your language and not messing up your strategy by then throwing in a testimonial that has a specific result. Um, and, and that's really basically it. Um, there are other, uh, there's other information on the slide that we probably don't need to go into about some ways to design the label on the bottle and using asterisk to uh, link to um, ex explanations, disclosures, that sort of thing. I yeah. think that's probably a little beyond the scope of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, you know, obviously is that, you know, there's the F being compliant and selling sometimes, you know, is, is a little bit of a juggling act. What I'm wondering is, you know, on a, from a legal standpoint, you know, obviously the FTC has a limited number of resources. Uh, they can't police everybody and so forth. Uh, in general, let's say um, it's a two-part question. So number one, if you have, you know, a very compliant sales page, very compliant marketing and so forth. But then, for example, you're open to affiliates who then start going a little bit bananas in how they, they market your product and they send you traffic. Like, how does that work with affiliates? How do you police affiliates now? How do you make sure that other people aren't saying things that you're not supposed to? And ultimately, is the merchant who's selling the product responsible for whatever everybody's saying? Yes. First of all, I, I was waiting until you finished and you hit the nail on the head at the very end. You are, if you're an affiliate manager, you use affiliate uh, affiliates to help market your product. You are responsible for not only monitoring them, but enforcing them. Basically, if, they, if they're out of line, they're making claims that they shouldn't make you have to basically terminate them. You're allowed to give them essentially a warning, but if they, they continue that down that path, you've got to terminate them. And so you are responsible. And that applies not only if you're managing affiliates, but if, if there's an affiliate network involved, each link in that chain has to manage the link below it in the chain of ads. That's that's become. A so does very it provide you a shield? Like if you go with a network and they're the ones who are policing the affiliates and you don't know exactly what the affiliates are doing as a merchant, does that provide you any shield like FTC wise? It, it, it's possible, but you're still responsible for what the people at the very bottom are saying about your product. OK, because the network just just brings the two parties together, uh, the, the affiliate and, and, and you the uh, the advertiser, but you're responsible for what they're saying at the bottom of the chain. You've got to manage them. You've got to monitor them and enforce them. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, the, the one thing that I've seen and I read about these cases and I kind of seem informed is that a lot of times, you know, the merchants are saying, well, it wasn't me. It was the affiliates. 
you know, and a lot of times not even FTC wise, but even, you know, on a merchant account level is you lose your merchant account because you have chargebacks. Oh, but it wasn't me. It was the affiliate that was promoting me. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But you're the one ultimately, if you're selling the product, you need to, you know, create yourself a whole bunch of Google alerts and different alerts to make sure that you understand what people are saying about your product. And if it's not, then, you know, you take it down and, and you terminate accounts and so forth. But uh, it's nice to hear it from you that basically, you know, there is no shield you know, from making no. claims. There's not, you know, the old way of doing things was, you know, you get a whole bunch of its affiliates and they do what they do and you don't know anything about it and that's it. But you, you know, you can't do that, I guess, right now anymore. Let me jump back I'm, just for a minute, if I may. Yeah, sure, go ahead. You asked me a question about the, um, the testimonialist in yes. this particular infographic and I cut it short, not by, not by plan, but by by sort of thinking about some other things. So so number one, you have to be able to substantiate what your success story testimonialist who, who actually enjoyed a very specific result, you have to be able to substantiate that that's typical. That all almost all other consumers should expect to receive the same result. If you cannot do that, then there is one other option. Uh, and that is to have a disclosure of generally expected results. So Suzy Q achieved an amazing positive result, and we verified it, and here it is. However, typically, you should expect this result. So A, you either be a, should be able to substantiate that all or almost all consumers can achieve what she achieved, or if you cannot, then have a disclosure of generally expected results that most consumers should expect to achieve. On, and, on a visual standpoint, though, that second part of what you said, does that need to be right under the testimony or does it matter? Can you just put a little star and kind of take it down? Or It needs to be conspicuous and it needs to be plain. And the, the ways I've seen it done are usually an asterisk at the very at, at the language of the testimonial, and then right below the image of the testimonialist. You know, generally expected results mean et cetera, et cetera. And typically in the weight loss field, that happens. Example, exactly. uh, a lot. You'll see a before and after that's you know very dramatic, and then this the, the specific result, and then below it, expect to lose one to two pounds a week which is the typical. I see a lot of results, not typical. Is that enough of a disclaimer? Do you have to say no. no? Okay. So you have to say results, not typical. You should expect da, 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 whatever. Well, here's the, again, going back to some introductory comments I made, there's old school and there's the, there's the wild, wild west days, which don't apply anymore. And one of the, one classic example is that type of disclosure worked back then. Your mileage may vary, blah, 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 the ones you mentioned. You can still use them today, but they won't work. You would have to substantiate or, or disclose generally expected results. And that change occurred in 2009. Okay. So 2009 is one of the lines of demarcation between old school marketing and what the FTC and FDA are looking at today. By talking about, you know, doing these kinds of checks and, and, and so forth, do you do you suggest a regular compliance check like every, every couple of months? Like if you write something that's compliant today in three years from now, is it still compliant or how how often do you have to 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 make sure that you're compliant? I would say at least once a year. 
things change. You remember we've talked about a transition from old school to to the, and the point of the, the point of demarcation. The line is two thousand nine, right? Yeah. After that occurred, things started changing pretty quickly. And in last year, 2021, at, toward the end of the year, beginning in October, the end of the year, the FTC has gotten involved in sending out a lot of penalty notice letters. So all of a sudden, you can sort of uh, drive a stake in the ground there and say, you know, we're going to we're going to need to really look at what we're doing, at least on an annual basis. But I also add this and I'm putting a plug into, well, my law practice, but primarily FTC Guardian because we do a lot of training, right? This, this infographic is, it was instrumental in, in a couple of uh, training sessions we had that are video conference calls that are then, you know, the, the replay video is online and archived for anybody to, to review. So, so we do the training to help you become a smarter marketer. It's one thing, and I, I talk to clients about this, you asked me to go and critique your sales page. You asked me to review and critique your sales webinar. And so I said, don't say this, say this, do this, do this. But they're not learning very much in that process, are they? Yeah. They're the ones who need to get a review very frequently. But what about the FTC Guardian member who has sat through several of these sessions, similar to what we're talking about here, where there's been some education, some training about why we recommend certain things, not just change this and do this, but here's the reason why. Here's a strategy. Maybe you want, if you understand those things and are confident that you do, maybe you don't have to really get it reviewed quite as often, but I'd say at least once a year. Okay. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is if, you know, if you're a business owner um, and you're writing your own copy, or if you have your own, if you have your own kind of copywriter or copywriting team, this is an interesting thing to do is to get somebody in the organization involved of on compliance and know what they can or cannot say. If you're a copywriter, you might be listening to this and saying, who gives a shit, you know, uh, pardon my English, like, what do, what do I care if whatever, if it's converting and the merchants happy and so forth is, you know, obviously you have to look out for who you're working for so you can make sure that they're, they're around to keep paying you. And then number two, you know, the one thing that I've noticed, you know, in, uh, you know, I don't know, specifically, it hasn't really gone to copywriters or whatever, but the FTC kind of enlarges their scope. It's not just the business owner. It could be an agency. It could be the payment processor. It can be all these different people who are supporting a business that can get into trouble if compliance becomes an issue or, you know, it's not just like back in the day where it was just a company. Now they're, they're kind of going after a lot of different people if they feel like there was negligence. Yes. And the FTC is increasingly going after digital marketing agencies if they engage in the messaging part. Now, let's say the agency helps you build a website, the agency does SEO for the website, et cetera. That's not considered to be an advertising agency service, right? But once they cross the line into uh, the hooks, the messaging, the, the, the title to your, uh, the, the ad claims, then they're regulated as well. And they need to be very, very careful because they can be uh, sued by the FTC independent of their client, uh, the, the supplement manufacturer and seller. Wow. So they've wow. got a lot of potential liability once they cross the line into messaging. 
which is which is common i feel you know with a lot of the agencies is they're like you know in order to make an offer convert that you will get some suggestions i think is pretty common um so you know this is important for all the people, like I said, back in the day, you know, I've, I started, you know, I started direct paying it a long time ago in that 09, 10 period where it was just like one page making outlandish claims. And it was very, you know, accepted at that time. And if there was an issue, it was just a merchant that was taken down. But ever since in the last, you know, 10 years, in the last couple of years specifically, is now you see the merchant getting taken down, the agency getting taken down. If, you know, there's anybody on the payment processing side that was contributing to anything, that they have issues, um, you know, somebody who's responsible for marketing, the CMO, all that, like it just, there's a lot of parties. So it starts getting kind of scary uh, when you realize the reach uh, that they have in terms of, you know, causing issues to your business, to, you know, your livelihood and so forth. So I think having at least one person keeping an eye out on this stuff is, is pretty important as you're scaling. Cause you know, oh, okay. I only do a hundred thousand dollars a month. They're never going to come after me. Well, yeah, they will. Because at some point, like you said, they start with the big players and then they just kind of granularly go down. And if you've been there for a while, they have a lot more that they can look after, you know, Chip, this was super informative. I know for me, you know, just kind of seeing this all in one page. And again, please email us guys for, for, for you to get these examples. Cause I think they're gold if you're building a sales page or if you're testing a new sales page and so forth, but Chip, do you have any last words or any more, any, any sage advice for our listeners? Well, I guess the, the big takeaway here, and I've repeated this several times, but it bears repeating again in summary, is that it's really it really comes down to ad claims and substantiation and how you can maneuver very creatively with language uh, and how you how how uh, general mills changed uh, their their concern, which was, you know, potential enforcement actions by both the FDA and the FTC by some relatively subtle changes to the cereal box, which brought it into compliance to a level that they, that they the regulators, would accept. And we talked about it as well. So, so it's understanding, the developing a feel for that, how to use that language, what to avoid, and then how to use language very creatively. That's really the secret. And if you have a good feel for that, you're going to be very well served. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Chip. This was super informative. Um, And guys, don't forget to look at the show notes below. Uh, Chip's email address is there if you need to email him to get this fixed so he can know that that's what you're looking for. And uh, he'll make sure that somebody in his team gets, gets you that information. So thanks again, Chip. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share for more content. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.